Hey guys, it's Eric. If you're going to take over the world, would you blow up the White House Independence Day style or sneak in through the back door? Hey guys, it's Joe. I always thought the only alien in this high school was me. So aliens have just been setting us up over the years with their ET and our men in black movies just so that nobody would believe it if it really happened. So. These students are starting to suspect their teachers are from another planet. Sit down! They're asking me. Guess what? Now we're gonna have some fun. They're right. Aliens are taking over the school. But we can stop it. The faculty. This is weird. Written it off in theaters everywhere Friday, December 25th. You're listening to Worth a Late Fee, the podcast for two former video rental clerks watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. What's up, Joe? Uh, how are you, Eric? Not too bad over here. I'm good. I'm good. It's funny. As I was just reading the, the intro, I, for, I forgot to tell you this before we started recording. So uh, do you remember when we used to – so Joe and I worked at a particular location of a small chain video rental store, and there were, I don't know, like six – six locations or something like that and towards the end of our time there we would have during the summer we'd have these basketball games on like random sundays or something we would drive like a half hour to play these horribly like no one was good at basketball we, we all sucked but it was fun but anyway one of the kids that was uh he managed one of the other stores his name was warren um big dude and i found out that he so at my bar, one of my good friends is my barber, and they hired this new kid. And it, I won't say Warren's last name, but just the name Warren something is kind of, you don't know too many Warrens. And I was like, why do I know that name? And then I saw a picture on their website. And so I asked my friend, I was like, hey, did Warren used to work? Did he used to manage a, a video rental store? And he was going to look into it. And he told me today that he did. It was him. So I was like, oh, oh shit, another survivor. Did we, we, did we play with Warren? We did, right? At some point, I Yeah, assume. yeah, he yeah, was okay. huge. He was like... He was a big dude, and okay. he's a huge basketball fan. Um, so I think he's, you know, he's not the greatest basketball player, nor am I. But right. he's, he's much more into the into the sport than I am. But awesome. yeah, if cool. I, I I just as I was reading the like, two former video rental clerks, I was like, oh, I got to tell Joe about that. <laughs> but other than that, how's it going? Um, I just got through uh, watching Ted Lasso. The final episode aired on Friday, and I think we talked about it a little bit uh, last episode, but that really is a feel good show like throughout the entire thing. Apple TV has two of those shows now with trying and Ted Lasso. That's right. You, I remember you talking about it and then you were like, it's on Apple TV. And I was like, Oh, I'm it's, it sucks. It's such like a niche thing right now. Like a lot of people who have Apple TV right now, but it's when the time comes, and they do get a bunch of programming. They already have a great style of original programming. Like for Ted Lasso, um, they have trying. I just watched, I, I finished Mythic quest, which was written by the guys who did it. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Um, Rob and Charlie Day, they wrote that as well about the game development, the game studio. And again, I finished that and they did a quarantine uh, COVID-based episode. It is, we've seen like different takes on these, on these episodes with everything happening, but their version of, a, of the quarantine is the best take I've seen for any show so far. That's awesome. Really, really good. Yeah. So if you're at Apple TV, <laughs> they, have, I wonder... uh, they have a good library. So does Apple TV shows original programming and then it shows some other stuff, right? As of right now, I believe it's all original programming. They have the okay, Tom so, Hanks film like Greyhound. They have a bunch of TV shows right now. 
like they have they have a pre, they have a pretty good lineup. So the thing that I if I was any other streaming service that I would like try to learn from is I feel like Netflix is getting close to going too far with the original programming or I shouldn't say that because some of the original like I'm Bree and I are watching Mindhunter right now and I'm like really into it but I think they still need to add stuff that they don't make because like if, if you're trying to find a movie on Netflix it's almost like it feels like every other thing or two two out of the three are Netflix original pro which is great and it's good for the industry and and all that but I also want to be able to just randomly search for the faculty like this and find it. And it seems like there's fewer and fewer. Right. I love about competing with the, who, are, who has the most original programming at this point, instead of like, just right. like content from all around. That's where Disney <clears> plus like HBO, HBO now, like they're, they're probably, like, I feel like they have like great lives because they have new and old and whatever. I, know. I have, I have Disney plus. I should think about getting the, the HBO thing. I've, I've done a few like trials of it because, but I should think about it. It might, it might be worth it. I don't know. Yeah, they have Warner Brothers library with them, which is everything. <laughs> so yeah. But speaking of Netflix, did you hear? We talked about this, I think, in the past <laughs> with the um, Vision Quest can. Glow got canceled after three seasons. What got canceled? Glow, the wrestling show we talked oh. about in the past. But the, yeah, that show, it, it was renewed for a fourth season, and they reversed it and canceled it. I'm no, I haven't seen the show, but I'm not surprised just because it's, it's such a niche thing you know what i mean it's yeah. unfortunately did you uh have you watched anything good well no uh well yeah but so Bri and i have been watching mindhunter and she's already seen the first season i haven't um i think we're like halfway through the first season and it's been good every episode's been good but the last episode that we watched last night which i think was episode five or something it it took a big step up it was it went from like all right this is entertaining and you it was like a not even slow build because it was still it was entertaining and it wasn't losing me but then the end of the last episode that we watched it jumped up like five notches and and like i'm very now i'm officially hooked now i'm like can't wait to watch the next one it's a really it if you've never seen the show it's i don't know i don't know how based on a true story it is but the premise of the show is um in like I think in the seventies ish, I would guess from the apparel and cars and stuff. Uh, it's the formation. It, the FBI starts to figure out that serial killers are a thing. And like before that, they would just be like, "Oh, this person got killed. That's sad. Whatever. Try to solve it. Can't solve it. Oh well." But they started to figure out that certain murderers were doing things a certain way, and that there was trends that you could pay attention to, and that would help you solve the murder. And, you know, it's a very, it's very interesting. And, and uh, I don't know, I can't remember the kid's name. Um, I'm looking it up right now, but the, there's kind of two main cops, but there's really one main character. And um, this kid, I'm going to get his name right now, Jonathan Groff. He plays um, this guy Holden in the show. And he's amazing. Like he's so good in the show. You know, when you see someone and you're like, how did this guy not, how is, how did I not know about him before? And I guess he was like a, uh, I think he worked on Broadway and he can sing. I don't know if he does dance too, but he can sing. And he's, I think he's very good in the show, very good actor. So if you're looking for a show to watch on Netflix and you've kind of run through all the, the big ones that everyone's talking about, 
and you have any interest in it's not a true crime show because it's not technically 100% a true story, but it's kind of, if you're into true crime, you'll like it. That's how Brie, that's how my wife sold me on it. So um, yeah, definitely recommend it. So that's what we've been watching other than now that for me, now that hockey's over, I've been watching baseball still, but yeah. <clears throat> not, you're not watching football, Eric? For anyone who's nope. no. <laughs> nope, not watching football ever again. And I have to be clear when I say this, because I'm not a stupid person who's not watching football because they like of the national anthem thing. I'm not watching yeah. football because the, that league is made up of horrible people yep. and it has been forever. And I stopped watching football. I think like 2011 was my last year. Um, and Joe and I live in new England. So the Patriots are like, obviously, you know, if you don't live in new England, you probably hate them, which I totally understand. So I'm, I just can't. I can't watch football anymore. Like yeah. it's been too much. So I don't watch football. But been, I tried to watch basketball the other day, and I was watching. I was trying to watch the Heat. It was it last night? Heat uh, Lakers last night? Yeah. Yeah, Lakers won last night. It's, yeah. I, I watched a little bit of it. And I fell asleep, not because of the game, just because I was tired. It is a boring series, though. Lakers are gonna just Lakers are gonna win. It's just like yeah, it's three one now, right? Yeah. yeah. It's it's also the <clears> lowest rated. Well, all <throat> sports are about NBA specifically lowest rate game they've had in a long time so it's like yeah. it's it's like we get it lebron james yeah. is gonna make it the finals every single time so <laughs> right right so but, but uh yeah so that's my hunters, though it. i i don't see my hunters a lot like you said david finch like he's he does the fact that he's involved that alone sells me on it so i will be checking it out at some point yeah and i think if you like i said it's not like if you watch one episode of it you'll be like all right i'm into it it's not like one of those shows where you have to watch six episodes before it gets you like the the first five episodes or so are are, are interesting and, and the character is very likable but then it just like i said the last episode that i watched it was like it just got way better so it was already good and it got way better so definitely recommend it real quick before we jump into <laughs> this uh i saw that you did watch speaking of david fincher you watched the zodiac it was was it, was it your first time seeing it or have you seen it before oh no 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 we yeah no we um okay. i've seen it before but brie I think I, I think I talked about it before, but Bree Bree hadn't seen it. We tried to watch it a few times, and we just because of you know stuff got in the way. We'd seen like half of it, and Bree just watched it full time through um, last weekend or whatever it was, and she she really liked it. That's such a good movie, such an underrated movie. <clears throat> so yeah. So what are we watching today, though? We're watching The Faculty, one of uh, Robert Rodriguez's, my opinion, underrated films. So. It was definitely interesting. I've, I never. Joe can get into why he uh, picked it in a second. I ha, I do have to mention, I'm drinking uh, tonight Doom Sauce. It's from Lord Hobo. If you're in New England and you, you've you've heard of Lord Hobo Brewing, but um, they they're big like their kind of their flagship beer is uh, Boom Sauce Double IPA. This is Doom Sauce Double IPA, so it's like a Halloween themed. Thing that I thought went well with uh, the faculty, if you've ever seen it. But what's interesting is it's like a, it's a dark. They call it a Cascadian ale, double IPA. There's a little bit of fruity, but not as much as Boom Sauce. But it's very good, and it's getting better as I drink it. So definitely check it out if you can. I think it's only out for, like I said, Halloween season. But um, definitely recommend it. So, Joe, why did you? Uh, what made you pick the faculty? Just to keep it simple, I loved this uh, movie when I was younger and haven't seen it in over 10 years. I, I real, quick, th- real quick, I thought, I, I was like, Joe, why'd you pick this movie? And you're like, just to keep it simple. 
And I thought it was just, I thought you were just like, I just gave up. I just, I, I just gave up. I'm done. I just, Whatever. Fuck, I, fuck this. Yeah. Let's just want the Christmas. Right. But like, I, I've been saying this one probably over 10 years. And I always remember certain scenes that I really enjoyed. I would kind of like go back in my head, go back to. But as I watched it again the other night, I remember a lot more than I actually realized. So this movie clearly left a bigger impact <laughs> than on me than I thought it did. Yeah, my I so I watched it last night for the first time ever, and this was some of the movies we've watched. I've said, "Oh, I thought it was the first time," and then I watched it. And I was like, "No, I think I've seen this." Well, after watching it last night, I can confirm this is the first time I've seen this movie. Um, like I've said on previous episodes, I don't like scary movies, and that's why. Um, I think I thought that this was more of a like a horror movie than it than it is. It's kind of like a horror sci-fi you know weird mix but that said i do remember this movie and just kind of the presence that it that it had because i was 13 when this movie came out uh names like jordana brewster caught my attention <clears throat> i'm totally in love with salma hayek i think she's like one of those beautiful women in the history of mankind and and then on the flip side josh hartnett definitely caught all my female classmates in middle school's attention. This is like the kind of his big break, if you will. Um, obviously Usher too. Um, so with, but especially with Josh Hartnett though, when he first came out of the scene, I don't think you could talk to a girl, like a, a teenage girl for 13 seconds without her bringing up uh, Josh Hartnett or Usher or both of them just, you know, studs. But I also, remember the soundtrack and I remember the music videos that came with it. And this movie had, this movie had a presence outside of the, outside of the movie, like we've said with other films before. Um, and it was, it was almost like, it felt like a marketing campaign and, and like a, it was, this is like a, this should have been an MTV movie almost. It felt like it was an MTV movie. See what you just said has into my first memory actually which I was just kind of jumping to now because it just feels like it's pretty much echoing what you just said. So I put that, I'm actually pretty sure I rented this one from Blockbuster when I was first released on video. But as a young kid, I was like eight when this came out. I remember switching this, uh, the song, Another Brick in the Wall to this film. So as a kid, I know Pink Floyd. I know, you know, who Pink Floyd was, but right. Another Brick in the Wall was kind of like the song <clears throat> for this film. Right. And so even like growing up, I was associated that song with this film because of like you said, the marketing campaign for it. Yeah, and and it's, I, I really I don't know, I can't think of another movie. Not to go back to Josh Hartnett again, but not in my early years, because because Leonardo DiCaprio, maybe that would be it. Maybe it would be Leonardo DiCaprio after Titanic. That was probably, and obviously Leonardo DiCaprio's had way better career than Josh Hartnett. No offense, Josh Josh Hartnett, but. Um, it was weird because he came out of nowhere and like every girl was in love with him all of a sudden. So good for him though. But do you have any stats on how uh, the movie did financially? Yeah. So the faculty came out on December 25th, 1998, a real odd release say for this one. It had a budget of 15 million making 40.3 million in the United States and 63.2 million worldwide. It was written by Kevin Williamson who has had quite the career and directed by Robert Rodriguez. Can you give me those the the money numbers again yeah so um it made 40.3 million in the united states i thought it was kind of i added both worldwide and uh in the states for this one because 
the range wasn't as much as I thought. It. Like you, as you always see, like in China, making tons of money, whatever. But in the United States, it made forty point three million, and then worldwide, sixty three point two million. And what did it cost? Fifteen million. Those, so it made money. You, but but I mean, if you had me guess, I I don't know. I know that a lot of the actors in this this one were like beginning of their career and stuff, but. I would have thought that just based on the marketing campaign, it was like, like I said, I remember this movie and I don't, I never saw it, but I remember like its place in my, at least yeah. my classmates childhood. So I would have thought that the, the cost would have been closer to the 40 or 50 million. And then I would have definitely thought that it would have made like a hundred something million dollars because this movie was, I, I apparently I'm wrong, but I thought this movie was huge. Yeah, that like blows like, my mind. like you said, fifteen million dollars. Like, look at the special effects. Of this one, it looks really good. I think for fifteen million, it goes, million, it goes at, back and the, forth. We look at the yeah. budget. Like we talk about Anaconda and the budget they had and what they yeah. ended up coming out with. And like this movie costs fifteen million, and it looks so much better. <laughs> it does look better than Anaconda for sure. There, um, there were times where I was like, all right, that's pretty, that's pretty weak. But there were some, there were some good ones. But that's crazy. I, I don't think I. You could have had me guess a hundred times. I would have never come close to either of those numbers. I thought it would have cost more to make and made ten times what you just said. But yeah, um, like you said, especially Rodriguez coming off of From Dust Till Dawn a few years before that, which was a huge film. So it's like you think that would have alone helped, other along with the marketing for like the music, that alone would have helped as well. Yeah, the the Rodriguez thing helps with like film people, but that's not why I would have thought it would have made more money. I would have thought it made more money because it had like Josh Hartnett, who's this, you know, young, good-looking kid. It had Jordana Brewster, and it had Usher. Yeah, was, it had it Usher. A huge music star at this point. Yeah, he was kind of just coming out, but yeah. I mean, he was he was not just coming out, but he was, yeah, it was early in his career. But yeah, that that's very surprising. I would have never guessed that. But um, critically, uh, I don't have the Ebert score because I kept trying to find it. And I kept stumbling into articles on. I I don't really know what Ebert thinks about it because I. I found articles where on his website where this was listed for like underrated uh, Halloween movies. And then also I think like overrated stuff. So I don't really know what Ebert feels about it, but uh, on IMDb at 6.5 out of 10 on Rotten Tomatoes, it's 52%, which is that's way too low. Which one? Rotten Tomatoes. 52%. Yeah. I think that's a little low for this film. I don't, I don't fully understand. I, I don't know how to judge Rotten Tomato scores. Cause some movies I'm like, I don't really take put much. I don't know. Yeah, because a lot of like <laughs> Rushmore wasn't around when these films came out, so people actually go back and like review it now. So it's like watching this movie back in nineteen ninety eight was a lot different than watching it now for the first time in like you know 2018, 2017. So it's kind of like one hundred percent. Because even though I just saw this movie the first time last night, because I was alive when it came out and I remember it, I yeah, it's it it hits me different than it would hit if you just took like a, an eighteen year old kid now who never lived this time and had him watch it. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. Um, some other stuff that was going on at that time. I don't really have much world news other than this one thing for, for film. So at the end of that year, the U.S. movie box office set a record for $6.24 billion for that year of 1998. So 1998 was a good year uh, for film in the u.s as far as hollywood news for that month some other notable films that came out that month you've got mail 
classic. Thin Red Line, Patch Adams, another classic with the legend Robin Williams. Uh, Civil Action, Jack Frost, Prince of Egypt, and Mighty Joe Young are some other movies that you may have heard of that came out that month. So not a not a great month, especially for Christmas season, but not a bad one. So um, Joe normally gives the back of the DVD summary, but I borrowed Joe's uh, <clears throat> Blu-ray to watch this movie last night. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the back of the DVD summary uh, this time. So when some very creepy things start happening around school, the kids at Harrington High make a chilling discovery that confirms their worst suspicions: their teachers really are from another planet. As mind-controlling parasites rapidly begin spreading from the faculty to the students' bodies, it's ultimately up to the few who are left, an unlikely collection of loners, leaders, nerds, and jocks, to save the world from alien domination. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. That, that's a pretty good summary. <clears throat> that's, that, said, that pretty much sums it up. Um, so we've kind of mentioned a few of the names already, but some of the, some of the bigger names going into this film so josh hartnett this is the beginning of like a five-ish year stretch where josh hartnett was towards the top of the the hollywood like the hollywood hunk list so decent actor not the greatest but not the worst but the ladies love josh hartnett at this time so he breaks out he had one film before this i didn't write it down i can't remember what it was sorry josh hartnett um but he really breaks up with this the faculty in 98 his virgin suicides in 99 Blackhawk Down in 01, which I think he's really good in. I think that movie's kind of underrated. Um, Yeah. He's in O in 2001, Pearl Harbor in 2001, which is maybe the worst movie ever made. I was going to say, the controversial (laughs) Pearl Harbor. I'm sure I'll be making an appearance at some point with our podcast. I'm going to give my real quick two movies that make me so mad (laughs) are Pearl Harbor and 300. And the reason those two movies make me so mad is that it's two unreal stories, like obviously sad, but they took two moments in history that had so much potential and they just just ruined them with these movies. Like 300, 300 is like, they took such a cool story and just turned it into like a, like a, a monster energy drink commercial. Yeah. And like jack dudes, with, nothing wrong with that, but. So you, anyway. like the, you like the love triangle in Pearl Harbor? No, no. <laughs> Pearl Harbor is probably the biggest waste of money in Hollywood history. I challenge anyone to to find like seriously. If, I don't remember what the budget for that film was, but it's like eight bajillion dollars. And Waterworld wants a Waterworld wants a world with you. <laughs> I bet you if I, I bet you if we watch Waterworld and no, Pearl Harbor lot, back to back, I would a lot better. Yes. So anyway, Pearl Harbor, no one. Forty days and forty nights in two thousand two, and then he kind of starts his. I love that his, movie, by the way. Which uh, 40, days uh, 40 Days of 40 Nights. Yeah, yeah, such a fun film. Right. And then he starts his, his um, kind of post-young uh, hunk career. He's still, still active, still making movies. But 98 to 2002 was the, the prime of his career. Um, <clears throat> Jordana Brewster, another one who, at least film-wise, burst onto the scene with this one. Um, she'd been in As the World Turns for a long time, but this is her first, first movie. Um, and after this, she's a big part of my life for the Fast and Furious franchise, Mia Toretto. If, if I haven't mentioned on this podcast, it's amazing, but I'm a huge Fast and Furious fan. Eric's the bro. Eric's like, Eric's like the definition of a bro. Like he's, 
But, cars, hockey. No, 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 no. no that's, why it's, that's why it's so funny, though. Is I'm not a car guy. I, that's why it's so funny. I, I'm. I could care less about. I've never had a cool car in my life, but and I don't like them. I would never spend the money on it, even if I had it. But those movies are just so ridiculous. I love them. So, and then lastly, um, I mean, there's a lot of kind of big names in this in this one, but the last one I picked was Elijah Wood. So, oh, definitely, his career is insane. Right. So, and this is where he's kind of trying to transition from from child actor with like you know he like Radio Flyer, Good Son, Flipper. Back to the Future 2 cameo. Um, he's trying to kind of establish himself as an, an adult actor, um, even though this is a, supposed to be a high school movie. But a deep impact uh, in the faculty, both in 98, Lord of the Rings uh, in 01, and obviously the, the following uh, movies, Ash Wednesday in 02, which to me is super underrated. And that movie throws me back to our movie scene days because I remember renting that movie because I love Edward Burns. And it's like a, you know, Hell's Kitchen Irish kind of crime ish movie. And I was like, this movie's really good. That was that was an that was an employee pick of mine for sure. I, I bought that movie from what we've seen. Yeah. On DVD back in the day. So <clears throat> Right. So very good movie. So um also um uh what was I had I thought I had another one written down, but oh um Eternal Sunshine, Sin City Green Street Hooligans, which is another one worth checking out. He was a he he was a big actor during our movie scene years. I mean, he's still a big actor. But right. He does like a lot of like he's really because of the Lord of the Rings movies. He has the ability to just branch out. Does what does what he wants. He makes a lot of weird films now, which is awesome. He can do what he wants to do. A lot of indie films, and all of them right. are very weird. How much money do you think he made from the Lord of the Rings? Movies? Oh man, I don't even know. He's still making money off them. So <laughs> it's insane. Another way we release them in December on 4k on 4k so it's like he's he is good for for life so the lord of the rings movies i'm not i'm not a sci-fi fantasy no 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 no. (laughs) i'm not a sci-fi fantasy guy but when those came out i was like i have to watch we were working a movie scene and i was like i feel like i owe it to myself i have to watch these movies and i watched them once i really enjoyed them I like I like them a lot. I totally they're great they're great movies. I'll probably never watch them again. Not 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 because they're it's just not my type of movie, but they are very good movies. So someday you'll have to watch the uh excellent cuts to give you a full a different outlook on the films. Add what, another two and a half hours to each film. <laughs> yeah, I'm all set with that. But <laughs> what franchise do you think contributed more to filmmaking? Fast and Furious or Lord of the Rings? The Illusion? <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just not gonna I'm just not gonna answer. I'm just gonna... <laughs> uh, so some some more you know uh random facts about the faculty. Uh Mary Beth, uh Laura Harris's character, always introduces herself by her full name, Mary Beth Louise Hutchinson, which was so effing annoying. Every time I was like no one talks like that. You're a horrible actress. At least I don't know Laura Harris's whole filmography, but she was driving me insane. It was like the first time she did it, it stuck out to me. And then she did it again and again. And I was like, what are you doing? So that was one not so fun fact. Uh, Famke Jans- Jansen revealed in 2016 that she has never actually seen this film, partly because she didn't want to see her characters on screen fate. Now, what I think is funny about Famke Jansen in this in this movie, and this is a Hollywood 
thing that Brie and I got last night on MTV was showing She's All That, classic. And uh, I thought they did the same thing they did to Rachel Lee Cook in She's All That to Famke Jansen at the beginning of this, which is they take this unreal, beautiful lady and they put her in like a sweater and glasses and you're supposed to pretend like you don't know she's like a model. You know what I mean? I think that's that's so funny, especially where in high school, if you have a teacher in high school and I didn't have any teachers like this, no offense to whoever my high school teachers were, but if you're a high school teacher and you're under the age of like 65 and you're even moderately attractive, high school kids on either way, boys or girls to male teachers, female teachers are like, Oh my God, Mr. Or Mrs. So-and-so is so hot. It's like, no, they're not. You just have to be not freakish looking. So the fact that people wouldn't have known that Famke Jansen's character in this is like beautiful until she gets all infested and, you know, takes off the sweater is crazy. But anyway, Jessica Alba, she actually auditioned for the role of, uh, Delilah Prophet. So for Jordana Brewster's role. Now, I have a question for you, Joe. I almost I almost picked another movie for my next Halloween movie and she's in it. Have you ever seen the movie Idle Hands? Love Idle Hands. That's Me another too. Uh, wasn't that another movie with like the offsprings, like the entire soundtrack, if I remember yep. correctly? Yeah, okay. Yep. And I, I mean uh me and Adam quote that movie all the time. So it's funny, though, because Jessica Alba, she auditioned for the role of Delilah in this, and then she ended up doing Idle Hands, which I think came out in 99, a yeah, year Seth after Green this. Yeah, Seth Green or whatever. Like, that movie's so fun. <clears throat> oh, it's so good. Yeah. So, yeah, that was interesting. And then last one I have is uh, the high school band of the football scene is from Austin High School in Austin, Texas, which is the high school that President George W. Bush's daughters, Barbara Bush and Jenna Bush, attended. Well, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Do you have anything as far as fun facts? I have a, I have a, I have a couple. Sweet. I don't think you mentioned earlier talking about it, but did you mention this was the film debut for Adriana Brewster? I did not. I okay, so this was this was her film debut, um, which is pretty cool because we've seen, like you said, where she is now. Um, the drug test scene is a homage to the blood test and the thing. And this movie has a lot of references in pop culture, you know, but that was a really cool one. And they mentioned the other one, in the film, which was a big inspiration for this, which was Vision the Body Snatchers. Um, at around 43 minutes into the film, there's a scene where students are being called to the principal's office. This is when they're all being turned one at a time, basically. And one of the names, Thomas Nix, is called. And Thomas Nix is one of director Robert Rodriguez's friends from college who eventually helped him uh, write his second feature, Road Racers. That's cool. Yeah, and then we kind of, I was going to bring this up a second ago when we brought up Sin City, but I'll say it here. Rodriguez cast Josh Hartnett and Elijah Wood again in Sin City when he made that. Yes. And that's one thing he does too, because <clears throat> Summer Hayek was in, a, she was in From the So Dawn, and he cast her again in this, even for a smaller role. It was kind of cool seeing <clears throat> them reunite, because that film is awesome too. Sin City is a movie that I would like to go back and rewatch. I, I, I remember liking it. <clears throat> I saw the movie when he, when he worked at the video at a movie scene, but um, I would like to go back and watch it now and see how, I, I think I'll still like it, but to see how much I like it. It's very stylized. Like, I don't think I liked it as much back right. then was that movie scene, but watching it now, I think I appreciate it a lot more because I appreciate really? the style he goes for. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause I, I'm worried the other way. I'm worried that cause when it, when we worked, there's some movies that I liked when I was, at 
rental store that I, I think I gave like, I was like a, you know how like, um, in like high fidelity, there's like the record store guys that are just like, oh, like you don't get the intricacies of, of film. Like, I think I gave some films more credit when I worked there. And then I also, some movies I wouldn't let myself like, cause I thought I was like, I was too much of a movie geek guy you know so i would like to go back and, and re-watch that because i remember liking it but i remember liking it a lot but yeah it's a very cool graphic novel <clears throat> film right format basically right right so i'll have to do that put that on the list but um what did you have down for your uh your favorite scene for my favorite scene i have that uh i love the scene when the group all ends up together and figure out like this is all actually a real thing they're fighting one of the teachers played by john stewart and they all have a role that they're playing in this fight. Uh, like little things like when Zeke grabs a paper cutter and threatens to chop off the hands of Jon Stewart if he doesn't put down Casey. Uh, and then from that point on, uh, Jon Stewart's character throws Casey and Stan runs and catches him. So it's like they yep. all had a role to play. Like they were all kind of in this one scene kind of bonding in a way. And it's like it's the fact that it's, these characters, this movie's not very long. It's right. like an hour and a half, I think. Little, yeah, like hour and 35, 40 minutes. Yeah. yeah. And Kevin Williamson does a good job running these characters, mm. these these misfits and like different backgrounds, whatever. He does a really good job kind of crafting them into a believable like friendship, I guess, in a way. Like the, he does a really good job making their dialogue natural. Yep. Um, but it's, they all become like the only ones I can trust to an extent from this scene on. And that's why it's my favorite. But I also love the ending to this film as well. Um, to Stokely's slow motion run around the pool, to Casey's running out of the lock, uh, with the lockers being tossed behind him, and eventually running through the bleachers. These are all scenes that I remember so vividly going into this film, and they are all still awesome watching in 2020. So, bonus question before I answer my favorite scene. You may have just answered it. What was your favorite uh, like kill scene, like death scene in the, in the movie? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I mean, I the original the unique death scenes, I love when Mary Beth has aliens running through the bleachers and it's closing as she's like kind of, I'm not sure if you mean like, if you mean like kill scene in general, but like I think her kill scene is the best because it's so unique. How he's running through the bleachers and then she's kind of chasing him and she gets pinned and then he yep. just stabs her. Such a cool, yep. a unique, it's like, it's almost like they're trying to think of unique ways to get to get kills like Final Destination style. So it's like, how yeah. can we do this in a more fun, different way? But why, my favorite, it? yeah, my no. The reason it made me think of it was my favorite was uh, the John Stewart one. Um, but <laughs> part of the reason I love it is uh, when Hardnick cuts his fingers off, he goes, "John Stewart goes, God damn it!" And it sounds like <laughs> I would if I like stubbed my toe or something. He just got all four of his fingers cut off, and he's just like, "Ah, shit." Did you see at the crest? You stick around for like the crest sequences. <laughs> Uh, when they're going through, I don't think so. When they're going through, like um, before the black screen rolls of the credits, they go through like each character and John Stewart, who we play, whatever. They show him alive at the end of it with the, with a cast over his like hand with no fingers and like. Oh an yeah, eye yeah, patch. yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he's he's back, but like he's not. What happened? Happened. He has no eye. Right. He has no fingers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's weird that John Stewart was in this movie now like looking back on it where he's thought of is like john stewart is a powerful person in american news even though he doesn't do the daily show anymore like when that guy talks people listen and when you look back at his film career and it's this and like half-baked where he's like 
you ever look at the back of a $20 bill, man? You ever look at the back of a $20 bill or whatever? I don't know. Sorry if it's the wrong bill <laughs> on weed. It's funny. And that's, but that's why he's so great. Cause he's, he's so intelligent, but he's also not afraid to be a total like moron. Right. You know, but, um, so from my favorite scene, I think mine was when Mrs. Burke, so Famke Jansen calls out Zeke for selling drugs on campus. It's a little strange because there is that obvious like sexual tension between a, 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 a teacher and a, and a kid but i love it when shithead kids who think they know everything get put in their place so i really enjoy that scene she's a little harsh but she makes some comments about his mother and whatever but i'm gonna no. suck my foot so far up your ass you suck my toes so graduation <laughs> right right and, and he's he's being a little shit and um nothing like especially in high school but even further on in life nothing will like shut a guy up and put a guy in his place like a like a hot girl so well played famka jansen so um and then also when when he comes flying into the parking lot with his fucking car oh my god such a douchebag <laughs> and he reminds me dude there's this kid in our neighborhood that is, i don't even i may have brought him up on podcast he's been like a point of contention in my marriage because he i get so mad because he has this like souped up like you know flex mobile and he like rips it down the street and i get so mad and breeze like eric you look like a psychopath but i'm like so it made me think of that kids (laughs) yeah yeah i'm totally old man and then this is a more of a funny thing but uh another thing that was completely ridiculous but but made me laugh was Coach Willis's tantrum at football practice at the beginning when of the film. When he's normal, when he's not right, when he's not, yeah, normal, when he's not yeah. possessed or whatever. It was like, dude, calm <laughs> down. Dude, I watched with my brother when he runs after yelling at them to the fucking like get right the table. <laughs> we watch him run for like five seconds just to flip the bench. So it's good. like. You're a, he's every ridiculous high school football coach in Hollywood, like in every, you know, and it's like, you're a high school football coach, you fucking loser. Not, not there's anything wrong with being a high school football coach, but take it down a hundred notches. And, and then, the, and then what made it even more ridiculous is when they show like the, they, they're showing the game later on in the film. I think football is a pretty easy sport to choreograph for movies because football in real life is like, all right, Joe, you're going to run 15 yards, bank left, and then the ball's going to be, you know. So I have little patience for bad football choreography and film. And some of the the choreography in this football-wise is horrible. There's just one stretch where like this kid's running, and you can tell they just told one kid, like, all right, Mike's supposed to tackle him. And so there's like three dudes that like could tackle him and they're just running next to him. And then like finally one guy, it was, it was bad football. I love, I love, I, at this point they're all possessed, the football players, but I love at the end, the, the game ends with Usher clotheslining the kid and they all lift him up over their shoulders. He just right. killed it. He just killed the kid. And like, everyone's like, yes. Well, he just killed the kid. And in reality, that the would game's like still tear, going. That would tear every ligament in your shoulder. You, you can't just like, I mean, unless you're like an NFL you know, roided up, mutant. You can't do that. But kind of was though. <laughs> true, true. I guess that's fair. So, this is a a category that's gonna have more play than I think it does usually for the movies. What do you have down for your thoughts on the soundtrack? I loved it. Right from the start, we kick it off with the Offspring. 
Another Brick in the Wall, It's Over Now, which plays towards the end. And I love that song as a kid because of this movie. Uh, the Sean Mullins cover of Changes in the credits is great. And thankfully, this movie was released on CD, but recently released on vinyl as well. So <laughs> as a 90s kid, I feel like I feel like it, I honestly feel like it's aged very well. Yeah, I have like mixed feelings about this. So I agree. Everything you just said, I agree with. Angry middle school Eric loved this soundtrack. The kids on right by the offspring, like you said. Um, Soul Asylum covering Alice Cooper. Um, Sean, Sean Mullins covering Dave, David Bowie. That's all good. Um, and then they also had Stay Young by Oasis. And um, this is Oasis is a band that I think is criminally underrated. And I think it's a few things. They came out trying to look like, or I don't know if they did want it, if this is their idea, but people compared them to the Beatles because they kind of had the Beatles haircut. They're from England, whatever. But What's the Story Morning Glory is an album that I've listened to more than most albums in my life and staple of my middle school life. But um, even if you get past that album, they have some, some good stuff. If you can just pretend that they're not trying to look like the Beatles and whatever. But, well, we'll talk about the, the butt later on when we have other I saw, stuff. I saw a funny uh, Oasis meme earlier. What's that? I saw a funny Oasis meme earlier. Uh, wife, can you stop playing Wonderwall? And then the guy's response, I said, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen like, that too. Yes. <laughs> yes, I've seen that too, yeah. No, I, I, they're, they're a weird band because like I said, they, I think they kind of got marketed like the Beatles, like to look like the Beatles. So certain people turn them off for that. And then also they've had some, some uh, brother, some squabbles between the Gallagher brothers and yeah. some little bit of drinky, drinky, a little too much drinky, drinky. But, it's a shame because like, like it's, Oasis is one of my regrets I never saw in concert. I had the opportunity to in the '90s, but I, I didn't as a I, kid. I and bet you'll have another opportunity. I hope so because, like, they really, like you said, their their little uh, friction is so it's so dumb. It's all about ego at this <laughs> point. But right, I think that for bands like that, eventually the the tension between them will go down enough, and the need for money will go up enough. That some some you know production some record label or a touring company will throw a contract at them and they'll be like, you know what, forget it, I'll I'll, I'll go. And then it'll probably and then the thing is, if that happens, you have to go that year because yeah. they by the end of that tour they will hate each other again. <laughs> but if you so you got you can't be like, all right, I'll catch them next time. You got to be like, I have to go, I have to go this time. But um, what what do you have down for uh, if you could change one thing? Watching it now, some of the dialogue is a little stale. Some of the actors early on were a little rough acting-wise, I thought, like the actress who plays Mary Beth and the actor who plays Stan. But Stan, I thought, did get better once he was on the run. Um, the film flows pretty well, though, I thought. The teachers, are tur- the teachers are turning before the title screen pops up, and the first act is learning the characters and trying to get to the, uh, the people to believe them. So I, I wouldn't remove any of the scenes from this film, just maybe some of the dialogue in the beginning and maybe Mary Beth's an actress. But... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I Stan, um, we talked about this when you. I don't know if we talked about this on air when you, but when you said you were going to do this movie, Stan. So Sean Hattesey, he's in Outside Providence, which is another movie that we will do, and I'm eager to. He's in a bunch of movies though. He's in, he's I like I don't know if I've seen like that's the thing. Like I'm trying to think of, like why he's seen him in. I'm not sure. No, why I've seen you've him seen him. This. If you, I'm telling you, if you look up his, the movies that guy's been in, it will blow your mind he so he's in outside providence but he's also in 
like John Q. Um, he's been in a lot of movies. Uh, but yeah. Is, is this one of his earlier films? No, he was, well, I mean, kind of in the middle. I think he came out in like a few years before this, but he, he, he was in a lot of movies to the point where like in some movies he was credited. Like it was like, Oh, this movie starring Sean Hattesey. And I was like, what? But outside Providence is one that we definitely have to do. Cause I, like I said before, I'm eager to see that movie. I will fully admit that movie could totally suck. We could watch it and I could be like, all right, I was wrong. I had fond memories of this and it's not that good. So my thing, uh, if I could change one thing is we just talked about the soundtrack and out. I really liked it and it's probably as important as any other part of the movie as far as like is, is as important as the acting and the script and everything as far as how it did. But the thing that I would change is all the covers on the soundtrack because not, not I wouldn't remove all of them. I just think they went too heavy with the covers with like, so you got, you can't cover Pink Floyd, David Bowie, Alice Cooper twice. Like, how about you pick one cover? So if it's another brick on the wall, fine. I, Sean Mullen, big lullaby fan, but maybe don't touch David Bowie. Uh, you know, and I don't, I don't yeah. know the behind the scenes stuff. Like, maybe it's like, yeah, I wonder if it's more money to get like the original song by David Bowie, for oh, example, or if it's like, you know, like what the <clears throat> cost difference is between getting a cover from Sean Mullen. <laughs> I can't remember if it's Sean Mullen or. Um, Oh, who's the other guy that I'm mixing up? It might have been Sean Mullen, but he was he was playing. Um, he was pl- Bree and I went to a brewery, a local brewery, and um, it was like they had a thing on uh, on the door that was like Sean Mullen touring, like playing here next Saturday. And, and I was like, honestly, I was like, oh, I would totally go to that because I, I I love like '90s music. Like I've I've gone and seen the Goo Dolls and all that stuff. Um, uh, not Google Dolls, Gin Blossoms, seen the Gin Blossoms twice, Hootie and the Blowfish, all that stuff. So I would have totally been down, but it was like too much money. It was kind of like, all right, Sean Mullins, this is in 1997, bro. <laughs> I got to say, I got some credit as well. These characters, I knew all their names three quarters of the way through the film. So it's like, I right. wasn't guessing, like I wasn't calling them by their <laughs> actors. I actually knew Zeke, Casey, Delilah, Mary Beth. Like I knew who all the characters were. So I do say, I will say they did a really good job making funny. all the characters. It's funny you say that because, and this might be part of that, but one thing that I was thinking when I was learning all the names and I got pretty, so I got pretty familiar with the names too. So maybe, maybe this is points in in the way they did it, you know, maybe credit to them, but would it kill you to have a dude named Mike or like Joe? It's like Zeke, Delilah, Stokely, um, even Stan, like a Stan's the most normal name. <laughs> That's not a very common name for a, a high school kid, at least, at least where I went to high school. But, but, but yeah, no, I, it, the character development was pretty good. And I think they walked the line, at least as far as students goes, where they had enough kids where it wasn't just based on one person, but not so much. So some of the movies we've done recently, we've pointed that out where it's like, you have too many people, it's you know too many they and they this film kind of had that with the teachers and the staff i think but um not with the students so that was good so that said um if you've listened to the podcast before you know we, we rate movies on a scale of one to five 
um, would you mind paying a late fee to, to, to keep this movie? So one is, you know, you can't even get through coach Davis's, you know, table flipping tirade. You return it that night. Cause you're like, this movie's stupid and I don't want to pay a late fee on it all the way up to a five, which is I'm going to keep this movie an extra day or two or three, maybe even buy it from the rental store. Cause I want to just keep watching it, share it with friends. So it's Joe's movie. So I'm going to go first. I'm going to give you my score right away, Joe. 2.5 out of five. Not my favorite movie, but I really did enjoy it. It had entertaining parts. I think it's super strange, but um, I, I'm going to give you the negatives first. Okay. I think it tries way too hard and goes over the top with a lot of stuff. Like Zeke is an over the top drug dealer with like a meth lab in his basement or whatever the scat drug that he's dealing. Uh, the football coach that we talked about was over the top. Everything just went, everyone just went too hard. That's, and that killed it a little bit, not killed it, but it knocked it down a little bit for me. It reminded me of like a short guy overcompensating. That's what this whole movie was. It was like a short guy driving a muscle car with like an affliction shirt and a tribal sleeve tattoo. But it was like, okay, we get it. But for the positive, the cast is like, a who's who of, of talent for that time. And, and the big thing for me is the faculty is, was very nineties. So we kind of talked about this earlier, but um, for someone my age, I really liked it because it kind of brought me back to a time in my life. Um, and I, and I do love films that are timeless. Like even though stand by me, for example, is set in the sixties, you could turn on stand by me. You could show a kid that today and he'd love it. But I also have a spot for films that are stuck in the era that they were made if they do it well. And this, this movie was very, it was so late nineties. It, it was ridiculous. Um, I don't know what a high school kid today again would think of it, but as a kid who was in school at that time, I got a lot of joy out of that. So that's it. Two and a half, very like honestly entertaining movie. And I, I liked watching it perfect length. Uh, that's it. I'll shut up. What's your, what's your score? See, I love it because of the reasons you just said you didn't like it. I love the fact that's so over the top, I think. It's ridiculous. And I kind of accepted that with, like you said, the opening with the coach cursing at his high school students playing football, flipping a table. And then right before that, we see like the, we see uh, before the title screen, we see like the, the teacher, the coach running down the hall trying to kill the principal. Like, it's just like, it's before the credits roll, we have like this, it's, oh, it's crazy. But yeah. I have uh, all the idea for the film is simple enough, but to make it relatable, the aliens chose, or the alien in this matter, chose the group of kids from different backgrounds because they're all lost and lonely, as Mary Beth said. And they are in a way. Kevin Williamson does a good job bringing them to life, making them work so well together so quickly and incorporating pop culture into his films and TV shows without feeling too forced. Again, if you don't know, he did Dawson's Creek. And that, so he's very much, his background is very much all about pop culture and he brings them into all of his work. The characters are awesome. I thought the soundtrack is great and the film flows really well. The acting I thought was a little rough in the beginning. Mary Beth was pretty much not my favorite throughout the entire film, but that's a small nitpick in my opinion. And I think I will be making this film when I revisit once a year during the month of October. I'm going to give it a four. Okay. So I, I will say... To follow up on what you said, that you you said that you accepted how over the top it was, and I do think that it was 
over the top enough where it became funny. Like if they had toned it, they, so they, they would have had two ways to go. They could either tone it down entirely and make it like a, a realistic or like a movie that you're trying to win, trying to do well with acting wise or do what they did, which is just say like F it. We're having John Stewart get stabbed in the eye with a pencil and that's the way it is. So I feel like that's what it is in a nutshell. <clears throat> right. So they didn't, they did, they did, it would have been worse if they toned it down one notch. I think they, they would, they would have had to either tone it down like a hundred notches or do what they did, which, so I agree with you on that, but. And also, like I said, like, I love this. This was your first time seeing it. And like, I'm not sure if it's like we talked about before, it may not have aged very well as the first time viewing. Like I knew I wanted to watch this movie. I was going back and like replaying all the scenes in my head as I was, as they were coming up. So like, I love it. A lot of it for nostalgia, but I actually do. I love the movie in general, but a lot of it might be like nostalgia as well. But yeah, and that's fine. And and it's also like we said, it's like I said at the beginning, it's not my type of movie. It's not so. Me giving it, really, me giving this a two point five is probably similar to you giving it a four, because I don't like sci-fi, I don't like horror. Right. So, the only thing this had going for me was that it's a high school kind of movie, which I do like, but. You know, it's whatever. How about Sophie's character? We talk about Sophie's character, kind of ahead of the time. Kind of, I feel like ahead of the curve there for a little while. About whose character? Stokely. Shine oh like, yeah. Like she was like very confused with like her sexuality and like it. It, it seems like it was for '98. I'm not sure what was before that with this, but like she was a very confused character. I thought like and I, I, it was kind of cool seeing that in '98 because it's becoming more and more relevant in film now. Yes. Characters trying and... to find themselves. When you so I saw some <clears throat> I saw some stats or some fun fact I should have mentioned this. It was like she was so Clea Duvall was Clea Duvall in real life is gay, so she was a gay character playing a, a gay actress playing a straight character that was pretending to be gay or something like that. I didn't really she was generalized. So yeah, that's kind of like, like that's like, think about it that way. <laughs> right. Right. When I saw her, um, the first thing I saw of, again, thought of again, w- as someone who, who hasn't seen this movie is I thought of her role in can't hardly wait, which is one of my favorite movies. She just has a very minor, very minor role in can't hardly wait. But the minute she has such a distinct face um, that I was like, Oh, it's a girl from can't hardly wait. So, but th- this whole movie is just like a who's who of, 90s people but so yeah honestly i know i know it's a 2.5 isn't like the highest score but for a sci-fi horror movie that's pretty high for me so um the beer was very good like i said i think i said this it got better as i was drinking it it was good to begin with too but the more and more i drank it so um if you have time and you can get doom sauce from uh lord hobo near you definitely do it if you run out of time because the halloween season passes I highly recommend Boom Sauce, which is their year-round uh, kind of like flagship beer at Lord Hobo. But um, in closing, we're, get, we're kind of sticking to the, the October theme. But uh, if you have any suggestions, follow us on Instagram, Worth a Leafy. Suggestions always welcome. Um, we'll be back next week. Also follow us on Untapped. We have a few more people that are following us on Untapped, and that's good. Um, or friends with us on Untapped, I guess is the correct term. Um, so next week's my pick, uh, and I'm going back to the 90s with this one. This is a uh, a movie that's kind of got a 
I have a lot of ties to this film. Um, it's a 1993 Halloween classic, at least to me, Hocus Pocus. So set in lovely Salem, Massachusetts. So next week we're going to be reviewing that movie, Hocus Pocus. Thanks for free form. I've already watched the movie twice. So <laughs> yeah, Joe's done I'm, I'm more than enough research. So yeah, awesome. no, I'm, ex- I'm excited for that one. And uh, we'll be back next week. And thank you guys very much for listening. Yes. As always, guys, thank you.